This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, the 7th of June, 2023. Coming up, more coverage from Apple's WWDC. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you? You all set for another day of coverage of WWDC? The event continues. Yes, it, the never-ending <laughs> event. More? You want more? Well, well do, do, do people want more? I think, well, I think people do. Yeah, I think people do want more. Well, put of it this way, you're getting do. more whether you want it or not, because we have lots to talk about. Uh, of course, Vision Pro is what everyone is discussing, and it's been interesting watching the shift in attitude over the past oh. couple of days. Because all these tech journalists that I read online, they all start off with, oh, yeah, who cares about this? It's like those people that remove remove what review movies. That's exactly what I said, and you cannot prove it otherwise. I believe in that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't edit on this show because you're in we charge don't. of the editing. Obviously. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, yes, those people who review movies. Oh, well done. Uh, thank you. Uh, will often. <laughs> you're a horrible man, Sean Priest. Pull it together. Come yeah, on. Yeah, that is impossible. Um, so, yeah, those people often go to films and they always say, oh, it's a terrible movie. And, oh, who would ever watch this? And then mm. you go and see and think, that was actually a really good film. Yeah. And it's just the reviewers who are so sick of clearly watching movies all day. And I think it's the same with these tech journalists. They're so used to seeing stuff and they go, oh, yeah, I'll never catch on. Oh, yeah, it's a headset, costs three and a half thousand dollars. And now, three days on, or two days on almost, they're saying, actually, do you know what? This is actually pretty decent. This is pretty good. This is something I would be interested in. The tide is turning. And it's not even out yet. But that's Another the thing. year to go. No, no one's, well, a very few select people, I think, have managed to actually get hands-on with this. Yes. So, I mean, no one actually knows how well this works. I think, I think it is the sticker shock that people are going off. Three and a half thousand dollars US. I mean, it does sound a bit startling, but when you look at the tech, it is absolutely amazing. As, as we've said before, when you compare it to our, our world of wearable tech, it's, oh, that's reasonable. Yeah, and I don't think we can underplay that, to be perfectly honest. No, absolutely I, not. I've been thinking about what we, we talked about yesterday and this whole thing, you know, when we had Michael on talking about the, you know, the, the challenges that we face sometimes when it comes to pricing of, of specialist tech. Honestly, this price does not shock me. And again, because of the fact that it will be capable of so much potentially and I don't really see why it can't, because if the iPhone could, even what the iPhone can do today, just that alone, forget the apps, forget everything that's in the app store, forget seeing eyes, forget Envision, forget Orcam, forget eSight, forget all that. What? What is in there already could do most of what we need. So if it's out of the gate on day one and that's all it had, it would still be worth the money. Now, I've seen a few people saying, well, you know what, until the apps come along, it's not worth the effort for us. I disagree. I think if it has all this accessibility in it mm. that it does pretend to have, then it will be useful. Now, of course, the I'm more apps... Well, look, obviously, the more apps we have, the more we can do with it, especially around things like navigation, um, especially around you know identification of things, then yes. I mean, it was interesting because I was playing with iOS 17 today. and uh, Just before we came on, I was trying out the point and speak feature, the new feature that's uh, in, of course, the new Pro models, and uh, you know, goes in there alongside every other detection mode that's Door inside detection. the magnifier for some yeah. reason. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was, I was trying out, and it's a bit ropey at the start. And I'm, I was going to do a demo for you, but I think, to be honest, I'd be doing it a disservice at this point. Uh, it is beta, beta. And, it's, and, and actually, that's a really important point. We're still in the beta phase, and everyone's starting to jump on the, oh, this, I've tried, this is terrible. Oh, this is wrong. Oh, God, this is... Calm down, dear, please. <laughs> Honestly, it's, give it a chat. This is beta. It's day one. <laughs> give well, I, I always see, like, two opinions on this, and it, it always makes me laugh because there's the opinion that don't even talk about it. it it's it's mm. beta. Don't talk about it. Uh, don't. You know, you shouldn't talk about it amongst yourselves. You shouldn't definitely never show it off to anyone. Um, and the other 
people that say, oh, this, this is, I saw a review of this beta and it was absolutely terrible. The truth is, it's somewhere in the middle. There is no possible um, reason we shouldn't talk about this, these features as they are. But we can't just say, oh, this is absolutely terrible right now because it's the beta. We can't review it. You shouldn't review it because it's not finished. No. But at the same time, absolutely. Okay, let's see the idea behind it. I want to see the concept of how point and speak is going to work or whatever else is in the beta. We can show how that actually works, but not give an opinion as, okay, this is good or bad. Not yet, at least. No. Uh, I mean, one thing that's good with the iPhone and the way it's currently working, and I, I will say this, you know, the the app itself and, and the, the, the structure of everything is is good and it seems fairly solid. A few people saying that iOS 17 is buggy, that's not a surprise at all. I mean, again, if you are going to try this out, I saw a few articles talking yesterday, and I don't know if this is just a short-term thing that has maybe been done by accident or that is actually a thing that apparently you can get the developer for free. You can get the beta for free. If you, I guess if you sign up for the developer, I don't I'm know. I'm on there. I'm going to do it. Yeah, you should if try it. If it's free, I'm going to try it. I will now, try that later in, on today. If you go into software update now... Yes. Do you get a beta update option? Yes. The very first option on software update before whatever it says your software is up to date is um, beta program or something like that. And when you tap on that, you get the option to, to toggle on or off. But when I double tap on it, it doesn't shift. It always oh. stays on off. Now, I'm assuming that's because I thought a long time ago I was signed up for the developer account, but I don't think I am anymore. That's the reason why. So I will look into that today and see if I can grab it as well. Well, you've had to pay for it. So that's not going to happen. Uh, but no, you're right. You do have to have the developer account, but apparently there is now a free tier of that. So if you can get onto that then you would be able to download the beta. Now, I'm saying this to you, Sean Priest. I think for our listener, I would urge caution because there's always oh, yes. a temptation to hear about a feature like point and speak or hear about some of the features we're going to talk about today and you think, oh, wow, I could have that now. Yes, you could, but you could also have a terrible experience with voiceover. And look, bear in mind what I've said on this program and, and many other shows for the last nearly 15 years, which is... Just don't, in fact, actually, if I said it for 15 years, that would have been impossible, right? Because the iPhone hasn't been around that long. No, but just a bit of exaggeration there. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, in, in the last 15 years, let's say it that way. Oh, well done. Uh, I have, thank you. I Good have stage. said, do not update right away. Even when the the final version is out, the golden record or whatever it is that comes out at the end. Um, golden shot. Yes, the golden right. shot, yeah. Um, when that comes out at the end, even then, hold on a month or two, because there will be bugs. Um, honestly, it feels like a Hollywood movie yet to be made. There will be bugs. Um, but, it's true. Yeah, Wait for the public. I wouldn't even bother with the developer right now. And that's because, like next month, right? Yeah, yeah. You haven't got long to wait. And even then, you know, proceed with caution is always the answer. It's far safer. If you're a general user, then just wait even a couple of weeks after release, official release, and see what, you know, sites like Apple Viz or even us are saying if there are any game-stopping uh, bugs in there. Yeah. Um, so there's no rush. Apple Viz is good for this, though. They will always, they will start. Oh, absolutely. You know, a community gets together and really starts running through all these different, you know, bugs and everything that exists. So definitely well worth uh, checking out the website for that. Also worth mentioning as well, for iOS 17 in particular, if you have an iPhone 8 or an 8 Plus, I don't think you'll get this option anymore. I think that's it for iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. Doesn't seem like that's an old device. Doesn't, does it? No, no it doesn't. But yeah, it's kind of fallen off. Because um, I was looking yeah. at some of the Macs that are not going to get the new Sonoma. And, you know, talking 2017 Macs, some of the older 2017s, and I'm thinking, wow, you know. Does that mean my 2012 won't update? Uh, oddly enough, no. I think oh, you, can, you can safely toss that in the, tr in the, tr in the trash. <laughs> I cannot speak today. <laughs> toss that in the trash. <laughs> Will do. Thank you. Um, so okay. what are we going to talk about today? Have we not covered every single angle? I say that knowing that there's some interesting news, actually, some interesting um, new information that we've seen. Well, what what specific are we talking about here? We're we talking Vision Pro because Vision Pro, yes. of course, that's all we're talking. Vision <laughs> Pro, that's of course so. But we've seen it. Um, oh well, carry on. Sorry. Well, yeah. Well, there was a video posted yesterday because, of course, as part of WWDC across the week, there are I think it's 150, maybe even more than that, uh, sessions going on for developers, and it's really important to state that 
Worldwide Developers Conference is exactly that. It's for the developers. Now, we can listen into some of this stuff, but it might feel a little bit over our heads. It certainly does for me. And, you know, I was listening into this particular session yesterday because it talked about how voiceover would work, or at least how how developers could build voiceover into the experiences of their applications. So I'm going to play you a little bit of this. I can't play very much of it because, honestly, it's so technical. And it really is focused at a developer audience. So it's talking about how developers can use the tools to make their apps accessible, which I have to say, and we'll put the link in the show notes, it is maybe worth going away and listening to in your own time. This particular session was about 30 minutes long. It might be worth listening to just to give you a sense of the kind of work that Apple does in order to make the platform accessible to developers. And the, the bit that's irritating a lot of blind people, including Kayaker, who got in touch with me last night, and he was telling me about this, he said, this is the bit that really irks me about all this, that they have the tools to make apps accessible, and they just don't, or they ignore them, or whatever. You know, it just, it's, and almost, and I've heard this before from people, he said this as well, he said, you know, Apple should really have a standard set that if an app doesn't meet the criteria of accessibility, almost like the, the tick list isn't, isn't ticked off, it shouldn't be passed on to the App Store. It shouldn't even be released. It should be denied on the mm-hmm. basis of accessibility. I'm for that. I am as well. I am for that. Yeah. It's, it's funny, the amount of things that an app can be rejected for that seem petty and, and almost nothing. Yep. Yeah, something as important as that. I think, absolutely, why wouldn't you have that? Not not guideline, regulation in place for the App Store. It makes total sense to me. It goes back to the whole discussion about carrot and stick. And I don't see much carrot necessarily at all. I mean, well, it depends on how you look at it. The carrot, I guess, is all the, the tools that are available. But there's not but there's not much drive by the company in any way, really, other than just to say, you know, we've left this box over here. It's full of nice toys. You might want to play with it if you like. Uh, it's entirely up to you. Whereas what I'd much rather hear is you've got to use this because if you don't, you are cutting out people from your experience, from your app, and, and that's not good enough. Now, there might be some apps that are just not going to be accessible, you know, huge games or whatever that's just way, way, way out of the reach. Uh-huh. I think there can be exceptions there. But, you know, if you're talking about an app that's for about word processing or about notes or social media, it must conform. And you know what? This is how you get around some of the issues with someone like Elon Musk and Twitter, right? If, if that Twitter app starts having, as is starting to have, some accessibility issues, you know, this would be caught by some by Apple, for example, and you would hope that that would start to sink in to these companies. We've got to do this, or else the Twitter app comes off the App Store, and that wouldn't yeah. be great. Yeah, no, absolutely. There is there is no reason why not. I, I, so makes sense to me. I want to talk about this this particular session because, like I say, in here they talk about voiceover. Now, as I say, this is very technical, so I've picked out just a snippet of this, which shows us the ways we can use voiceover with our hands. Let's open the app and toggle voiceover on with a triple press of the digital crown. Happy Bean, choose how you will cheer up grumpy clouds. On this platform, voiceover uses different finger pinches on different hands to perform different actions. By default, you can move focus to the next item by pinching your right index finger. Make a heart with two hands, button. Use a pinch gesture or a compatible device, button. To move focus to the previous item, pinch your right middle finger. Make a heart with two hands, button. To activate an item, pinch your right ring finger or your left index finger. Now that we're familiar with some of VoiceOver's basic controls, let's explore the rest of the app. Three, two, one. Happy Beam. Back. Button. Score zero. Stop music. Button. 29 seconds remaining. Pause. Button. So this was an app they created for this experience and also to use as a demo of Happy Beam, make Grumpy Clouds happy. Um, I, I, can see my, I can see my face on this app at some point. You know, make Stephen happy, if that's at all possible. You can try all the heart gestures you like. Just that throw KFC at you. Trying yeah, to get it in your mouth. Throw a chicken bone at me. There we go. That's it. You've got me. I'm happy as Larry, whoever Larry is. But I don't know. I'll tell you something about Larry. He is a very happy guy. Um, 
but what what they go on to talk about there is that a lot of what you're hearing is perhaps not as accessible as it could be, and they go into the detail about how you can use the tools to make the clouds, for example, become accessible. Because in that demonstration, at the early stage of it, the, the clouds themselves weren't, and they go on to show you how they can. So it's well worth going and listening to that in full, and the link is in the show notes, and we've posted it to social media as well. But honestly, this is so interesting, because this is showing us how we can do this. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to this through? Because uh, honestly, I did, and uh, I, a lot of it went over my head. But... Yes, no, it, it definitely went over my head, but it is still interesting. I, I, I like to sort of listen to these sort of sessions because it's always handy to know when a developer gets back to you and says, no, well, it can't be made accessible. You say, ah, well, actually, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know what I'm talking about, except <laughs> did I know you Swift handy. UI? Did you use Swift AI? <laughs> did you? I, I don't know what that means, but did you? <laughs> did you? No, it is it is very interesting. But you know, aside from that, a lot of people aren't going to be able to follow along. Absolutely fine, but it's just so interesting to see it in action, right? Triple clicking the digital crown to turn voiceover on, because at, at the minute, with a new device, a new platform like this, a huge paradigm shift. Thank you. Mm. Um, it it is a little bit frightening about you know, are we going to be left behind? And look. It's just so familiar, right? Apart from the new gestures, it's such a familiar environment to us. It's it's the Apple accessibility, and, and it, it just makes me feel better about this device. Um, yeah, I'm excited still. Yeah, yeah, me Even too. Even more so. I think it just shows the capability, and every day we're learning a little bit more about this, which is why I'm really glad we're doing it this way, because I think if you were to try and rush into this and do this as a one hit wonder on the day after as we used to do in the old days um when the show was on once a week it's very difficult you miss so much and when we're able to just talk yeah, our way well, through we're this. In a, we got the luxury of a daily show here so you know we can follow up so every far. new bit so of information god bless you mr f <laughs> uh shall we talk about ios 17 because i think there's some interesting <laughs> stuff going on now one app that or one part of this that i wanted to talk about today was personal voice i was hoping to get around to doing a demo i haven't even set it up yet uh so <sighs> yeah i know hopeless I but mean, you know what let's, let's take our time uh, well, let's take our time with this I'm no looking rush forward to that i mean what you want to hear me just a through a different Steven. device. Yes, <laughs> okay. I can make you say nice things. <laughs> no, you can't. That is impossible. I'm going to make sure there's a tick box that says, "Not do not make me say nice things. Only grumpy. Got yeah. it. Okay. I love you equals I hate you. There you go. Problem solved. <laughs> uh, but one thing I did notice, and I've seen a few people talking about on uh, on social media, is pair voice settings. Now, this was something I spotted and we talked a little bit about when we saw some of the new accessibility features that were coming out. And I was kind of interested in this because I thought, okay, how will that work? And what does that even mean, per voice settings? Well, here is an example. Uh, when you go into the voice settings or into speech, essentially, under uh, voiceover settings, you can now get an, a range of different options per voice, which is quite interesting. Now, the per voice, each individual voice has different amounts of options. Uh, but eloquence seems to have been given the most love. So shall we shall we walk through this? Uh, so I've gone into, uh, where am I here? I'm in my uh, voiceover, I'm in my settings. I've gone into the speech and I've gone to eloquence. So let's go uh, from here. Eloquence button. Double tap. English, US, cutting, Andy. Swipe up or down to select a custom action, then double tap to activate. Okay, let's do that. Speak sample. Hello, my name is Eddie. So swipe down again. Open per voice settings. Double tap. Preview settings button. And let's see what's in here. Eloquence back button. Voice settings cutting. Head size 50%. Decrement 50 button. Head size 50%. Increment 50 button. Big head. Pitch base 69 hertz. Decrement 69 button. Pitch base 69 hertz. Increment 69 button. Pitch fluctuation 34%. Decrement 34 button. Pitch fluctuation 34%. Increment 34 button. Breathiness 0%. Decrement 0 dimmed button. Breathiness 0%. Increment 0 button. Roughness 0%. Decrement 0 dimmed button. Roughness 0%. Increment 0 button. Higher sample rate. Switch button on. Preview settings button. Hello, Preview settings. My name is Eddie. And finally, reset to voice defaults button. So, I mean, there you go. There's a lot in there now. And that's just an eloquence. And 
one particular voice I thought we might see even more in would be Alex because when when I heard breathiness, I thought, oh, finally, yes. I can get rid of that voice from Alex. You can cure Alex from their asthma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're curing, we're curing uh, text-to-speech voices of disability. <laughs> Even Elon Musk can't do that. Um, but no, there's no option for that in there. For some reason, that's not in there yet. So maybe that will uh, come. But you know, again, it just shows you how much you know customization is going in. I mean, these are things I never even considered I would even need. No, I. I, I... It's nice to have that amount of control over your voiceover. I mean, I'm sort of annoyed you chose eloquence because, you know, I absolutely hate it, oh, by the way. I love eloquence. Uh, no, it's awful. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's great to see this sort of control because um, I, I'm kind of intrigued, though, by head size. Well, what difference did that make? Did it make it louder? More like reverby? What was it? Basically, it made Eddie, it made Eddie a little bit more um, facetious. I think it really was what it did. Yeah, it just he became a little bit more arrogant. What are you doing that for? He yeah, says. exactly. <laughs> what you want to you want to click on this? <laughs> Fine. No, this is really cool. This is really cool. I, I like that uh, amount of control over something. A lot of people will probably say I, I just stick with the defaults. But yeah. you know, if you have got something that really annoys you, maybe you can change it. Yeah, well, cool. I think for a lot of people who use eloquence, um, oftentimes it's the sample rate and it's the uh, kilohertz range that can be a problem with their hearing, it can actually become problematic. And a lot of people want to use eloquence, but can't for that reason. So being able to customise it, to almost tune it to suit you. Yeah, cut down the treble. Yeah, the yeah. bass. Yeah, well, that's what Reed is for, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I'm a, Reed. Yeah, I know. Grandpa's hilarious, I must say. <laughs> grandma, does, grandma does not sound like grandma. Grandma sounds more like grandpa, who's, you know, maybe had a few, or played with a helium balloon. <laughs> sounds like my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> 50 cigarettes a day is it right okay um but yeah i mean you know it, it just i think again it's that we're starting to see lots of customization coming in in new and exciting ways which is good and of course the big headline features like personal voice that everyone's excited about big head to you too um you know i think is the big head you said yeah just yes uh and um, <laughs> I, just, I just think that it's, there's so much in there that we are now going to be able to customise. I think that's great. And the more we get, the better. It does feel sometimes, though, that we're swimming in settings. Don't you find that? There's just so much now. Yeah, there's there's a lot of settings which I think, oh, that's really cool, and then promptly forget about and mm. never go back to. But like you said, if, if you do need that level of control, for whatever reason, if it is a hearing you know, frequency range or whatever it may be, to being able to tailor it is, is good. That's, look, more customization is always good. That's why we all love Android, right? What? Sorry. Oh yeah, see, right, okay. Yeah. Um so you th- caught me off guard with that there. <laughs> I like, did, I we, threw that in. You said the words love and Android in a sentence. I was just oh, honestly you're it woke a disgrace. Me up. You 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 know what I've I've just figured out that is that is the way to wake me up outside of coffee. <laughs> what mention Android? Just say, don't you just love Android? <laughs> Hang on, what? I'm wide awake. <laughs> I'm ready for the day. Very uh, cool. I also had a play with assistive access just to get a sense of you know how that works. It's interesting because you actually go in and you set that whole thing up. So when you go in, instead of just turning it on, as I thought you might do, there's actually a setup process and there's a walkthrough of how you want it laid out. Do you want it as boxes or a grid? And this is where, if, if you don't know, assistive access allows you to really simplify your screen. It takes away all the extraneous nonsense and just gives you the tools you need. So it might be calls, it might be messages, a camera, you know, the Photos app, you know, those kind of things. You can just have those directly on your home screen. Great and it idea. Can be, yeah, it is. And it, big buttons or a grid list. So I went in, had a look around. And what happens is when you choose either rows or grid, uh, that's the first option. Then you go into that and it will ask you to add the apps you want. So you can choose all the apps you want. And it will give you the ones that are compatible, first off, with assistive access. So those that have been designed to work that way. And then you have all your other apps in there. This is where I think this stands out differently to other options that are out there today that do similar because they include the third-party app. But what they do differently is it says if the app is not built and is not uh, essentially you know customizable for this assistive access option, uh, what it will do is it will leave the app exactly as it is, but it will shrink it slightly. I didn't go so far to actually turn this on because I wasn't sure how reversible this process was. <laughs> so I didn't want to get stuck in there at that point. But you yeah. know, it apparently shrinks the app down so that you can have a back button on the screen, which is not a button. It just has 
a text label that says back. And obviously this is to simplify that process of being able to get back and get back to where you started. And that will be across the entire assistive access, almost like, you know, mini OS inside the OS. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's it's just a way to make that uh, people don't get stuck somewhere and there's an easy way back, right? It's it's just like a universal back button that always floats there. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely uh, great. I'm really interested in this one. And if I do get my hands on the beta, maybe I'll I'll look into this a bit more because... um, Obviously designed for people with cognitive cognitive difficulties, but also my father-in-law would absolutely love this because he's still using a dumb phone. But there's so many times where a smart uh, smartphone feature would be so good. You know, when he's having a problem with something and just being able to, uh, to connect a video call or something to sort out his central heating or his TV or whatever it may be would be great. But a smartphone is simply too much. He won't touch it. It's over whelming overbearing yeah yeah so something like this i mean absolutely perfect just a few contacts in there a a couple of apps just so he could send messages that's all he needs i think this would be great so i'm really interested in this one again this is one of those things where it could be useful to us as blind people it could simplify the system for those that maybe need it you know again because look blindness doesn't necessarily come alone it's not like you can't have cognitive disability and blindness at the same time, right? No, you know, these things not. can go together. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 it's interesting I say this, and the amount of people I've spoken to over the years who just think that once, I remember once woman say to me, I swear to God, this is true. She said to me once on a bus, it's always on a blooming bus. Uh, she says to me, uh, oh, she said, you better be careful. You're listening to your music very loud. I had to take my earphones out and say, sorry, what you say? And so she takes, she says to me, you're listening to your music very loud. She says, but it's okay. You won't lose your hearing because you're already blind. I'm not kidding. That's what she said. She thought that I had my disability quota. I yep. got my blindness. That was That's it. True. Well done. You've had your disability. Now go away. Oh, well, she was a medical woman, obviously. Clearly, so she yes. Knows, she knows her stuff. Absolutely. She was. <laughs> well, once you're blind, you get super hearing. So even if you lost well, a little bit, it just takes it, you down okay, to normal. Yeah, it bounces back up, right? Yeah, it's, it's just fine. like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Absolute nonsense. So yes, uh, this is going to be an interesting feature. But you know, it's in, it's interesting you talk about your mum and your dad because you know I think about my uh, mum as well, and she is she's fine with the iPad. She kind of figured that out because it has that kind of simplicity to it on the iPad. Big grid of icons, right? Yeah, and you just tap away. She just loves her solitaire. She likes going on Facebook. And that's kind of it. But on her phone, she does very little, and she always seems to struggle with the basic functions, and she panics a lot. And when I say to her, just press the, the button, she cannot get her head around this touch ID. She will. She just thinks it's a button you have to push. Yeah, she doesn't push. understand the yes. touch aspect of it. Just lay your finger on it. She yes. can't get it. She just cannot get that. And I think, actually, this is where, as much as I'm all in on the, the actual physical touch button or even haptic touch button as it is, I yeah. can kind of see that going away now and the value of this instead of that because literally it's a button that says back so when i say press the back button she'll see the word back yes so it makes yeah. more sense you know it's actually better in a way how can you improve on a physical button there you go apple did it it's, inc- it's actually <laughs> well, what quite you, impressive what, what what do you think do you think there's going to be impact on synaptic or the blind shell classic even those sort of phones um i'll tell you my thought on that in a minute because okay. actually, yeah, you raise an interesting point here. Plus, we're going to have Shelley Brisbane joining us in just a moment as well. Shelley is the author of the iOS Access for All series. She's also host on the Parallel and Mac Accessibility podcast. She joins us next as well to talk all about the big announcements this week. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now. On Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And on Mastodon at Double Tap. Welcome back. This is Double Tap on AMI Audio. Yeah, you were asking me about uh, whether or not this this like assistive access feature will make any mm. difference to uh, Synaptic or well, any of the companies basically that create these kind of easier guided to use, simplest, yeah. yeah, guided interfaces. I honestly don't think that's going to make a difference. And I'll, I'll tell you my thinking here because the same thought was running through my mind about when we talked yesterday about Iris Vision and Envision and all these others that are doing these, uh, you know, specialist pieces of kit for blind people. I think there will always be a market for it. Even, you know, because again, you've got to think about the user base, right? If someone's buying something to do a specific function, yeah, they don't necessarily always want the Swiss Army knife. You know, we might, we might think, oh, that's great because we can get all the tech we love inside one big machine. 
But some people would say, well, I mean, look at the Victoria, for example. Okay, you might say, well, you can do all that inside an iPhone. Yeah, but I might not want to do that. I might want to just focus on these particular tasks. True. Hence yes. why I think there may still always be a market. The question, though, is how big will that market be in the future as more people get used to using smartphones? Yeah, good point. And there are some, like, such as the Blind Shell Classic, um, where the physical buttons may be the actual draw to the phone rather than the guided interface you know, as the primary reason could be the physical aspect of it as well so yeah i i do think though it's um again apple are just cutting through so many different industries and, <laughs> and markets it's uh wow you can see them in the future just being you know everything yeah the all must... owning uh knowing apple yeah and the way they do it is so clever right because they don't really build it that way they build it as a platform so what they're saying is look this is just a platform this is a ledge where we you know you can put things and that's it. You, know, you, you build the things that you put on that ledge, and that's it. That is basically it. A ledge. Yeah. Well, a ledge. What do you say, ledge? I always think being pushed off. I mean, a shelf, maybe. Okay. Okay, let's say shelf. All right. Thank okay. you. Okay. Oh, right. you, brought well, that, I... you made that dark, didn't you? Wow. <laughs> right, let's get our guest on because I'm so pleased to welcome Shelley Brisbane back to the show. Shelley is the host of uh, Parallel Podcast, which is brilliant. If you haven't checked this out, what she does every single week is she gets people together from the mainstream uh, world of tech and the specialist world of tech, or disability world of tech, I should say, perhaps, and uh, puts them in a room together and fight it out. Who wins? Uh, we'll find out. No, it's not like that. Uh, but she, she does. Uh, she does have the opportunity to bring people together and really create interesting conversations, basically, and kind of get people thinking on both sides of the of the table, which is brilliant. So check that out. Mac accessibility as well. As a whole team of guys get together every week for uh, the conversation around uh, Mac accessibility. You might have guessed with the name and the title. That's clever. It is, isn't it? Mac accessibility. Yeah, I wish I'd thought of that. Um, um, well done. And also iOS Access for All is Shelley's book that she comes out with every year. Uh, iOS 16 is, of course, the current book. She'll be preparing the iOS 17 book uh, to come out. And in there, there is a huge amount on of, of incredible detail that goes into the amount of you know accessibility features that exist and how to use them. So it's really, really well worth checking that out. It's well worth buying if you want to get yourself up to date and, and know everything about accessibility. Because, look, we talk a lot about the issue around resources, and this is one which is really worth checking out because she does lay out very clearly yes. uh, in a very understandable way. So, yeah, anyway, uh, Shelley is back with us. Uh, Shelley, obviously the hot topic at the moment is <laughs> the Vision Pro. That's what everyone's talking about. Uh, so, you know, I, I want to ask you uh, your thoughts on this. Uh, what, what's your big takeaway from WWDC 23 yeah, I need some ski goggles, and I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it has to be Vision Pro. I'm, I'm also, I think it's underreported that they finished up the Apple Silicon line. I mean, everything is on Silicon now, from the Mac Pro on down to the lowliest Mac Mini, and I, you know, that's an accomplishment for them. It took them a tiny bit longer than they anticipated, but now people can stop talking about it. Now people can go, "Where's that 15 book inch MacBook Air? Where's the Mac Pro?" They've done them all, and so I feel like that gives them a platform from which to move forward and obviously make, you know, even even faster ones. So that feels like an accomplishment that in another keynote would have been a bigger deal. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I didn't even click with me. But yeah, the, with the 15-inch Air and the Mac Pro, that's it. Intel is no longer just a distant memory. Who needs Intel? It's interesting because just starting off with Vision Pro, which we have to talk about, Shelley, obviously is the, is the oh, all right. biggest <laughs> elephant in the room that we can talk about. Um, it wouldn't be possible without silicon chips, would it? No, I don't think so. And and not only because they're super fast and everything, because Apple designed them purpose-built for all these things. And I presume the Vision Pro is one of the things that they designed it for, including all of the machine learning that is included in those chips. So, yeah, it, it, it all the things Apple did to make their computers faster are now going to benefit this Vision Pro device in huge ways. And, of course, the, the heat as well. I mean... Um... The fact that you can run this in a, a such a small form factor and it not just totally melt your face, which an <laughs> Intel chip definitely would, and they have a, a cooling. It absolutely would. That is absolute scientific it's, fact. That, 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 it, would. it definitely would. Melting your face is definitely a downside. It is not a feature. <laughs> it's yeah. a bug. So that's a bug, not a feature. <laughs> they had. To, I'm going to wear ski goggles. I don't want my face to be melting. 
Preferably not, no. But it is interesting, isn't it? Because, of course, that is the other side of the story that people aren't really picking up on is, you know, yes, you're right, there is the complete finished product now when it comes to silicon. Every product is now over there, but also that really this is where it was driving towards. This is where we were heading. And I'm, I'm interested because I think a lot of us thought this was going to be something that would connect to our phone. Then there was talk of it, you know, being a VR specific. Were you surprised that you learned it was essentially a computer with all your, you know, phone smarts and computer smarts built into the headset that you could just walk around with and use? I mean, did that surprise you? I was I don't know if I was sure whether they were going to do it all in the phone or or some in the phone and some in the headset or not, but it did seem like providing using the phone would have given them sort of a a, a place to use some of the power that's required to make this thing run as also as well as the machine learning and some of the processing power. But obviously they didn't do that. They've put a computer on your a complete computer on your head. Uh, which is is no mean feat, and probably <laughs> Apple can say, "See, that's why it costs thirty five hundred dollars." I guess so. Uh, I mean, it 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 does feel like it opens it up for people. Obviously, you get much more better battery life if you're plugged in than if you're not plugged in. But even so, even if you're plugged in, you don't have to be plugged into two things. You don't have to be plugged into your phone, whether wirelessly or literally, uh, and that. Seems like I mean that's great. One less pe- one less a piece of gadgetry to be wearing on your on your person. We love gadgets on our person. That's the thing. It, it's uh, I miss the days of having to carry around a haversack full of gadgets. No, I don't at all. That's why I love the smartphone. <laughs> right. But hang on, this is an interesting point you bring up because everyone's talking about this as it is a computer. Basically, it's like wearing a Mac Mini to your head. Is it though? I mean, what's what's the storage capacity? What's the RAM on this? What are we talking more? This is a smartphone sort of level device. I know the only thing that raises it above that is the M2 and the R1 chips in it. Um, is it fair? Do you think to call this a computer? They were they were very vague about a lot of the details because it was very much focused on pretty demos, and as Stephen said, it was AR stuff rather than VR stuff. So they had fairly narrow lane that they were walking in. And to be fair, for a product that they're not going to release in any form until next year, I guess that's understandable. It would have been kind of weird. Like, in nine months, you can buy this with one terabyte of, of uh, storage and, and 500 you know, <laughs> yes. gigabytes or whatever. Uh, it, it makes a little... And things are going to change between now and then. The price might even change. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I think of it more as an analog to the smartphone and the computer. I, I can't imagine doing my computing all day on this thing, but there are a lot of things about this thing I can't imagine. So I'm, I don't, I don't know. I, I've still, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gobsmacked the way some folks are, just to sort of to push that up to the top. Like I, I'm not like planning to get rid of my phone in order to buy one of these things. I want to discuss this a little bit with you because. I see a lot of blind people who are very excited about it and are talking about buying it. And immediately my sighted friends are saying to me, what is going on? Why are blind people wanting to buy these? Um, What's your take on this as as someone with low vision? Because I can see, in some ways, I could see the argument for low vision people being way more into this than blind people. For for low vision people, I think things... Things like watching TV, things like consuming media is are great because obviously the trouble you have as a low vision person when you're watching TV is what distance do you sit from the set and do you get the visual as much visual information as you could? And I mean, I in the past have tried on other headsets that give me access to some video content. And that's the one thing I liked about them. I like the idea of watching TV on my head instead of across the room. Is that a reason to spend $3,500? No. And I have friends, both blind and low vision, who are extremely excited about this thing. And I I think it's hard to say from a low vision point of view whether it's going to be as seamless or more seamless to uh, manipulate files and folders and, and apps and the like. Uh, I wonder if that's going to be a function of the kind of low vision that you have. We, we we're going to have support for alternative input, whether it be a pointing device or a keyboard or your hand. Uh, and that stuff sounds interesting and doable. I guess my wonder as somebody with low vision is, is it going to work for my specific eyes? And I don't know the, the answer to that question yet. I think the thing with this, though, is that the... the I'm going to make up a word here, Shelley. Bear with me. Mainstreaminess of of an Apple device what? is what ma- mainstreaminess. Look, right. the fact that Apple put this out here <laughs> is it means that this well, there's a good chance this will be incredibly 
popular. And when that happens, people adopt that. And when I say people, I mean developers adopt that. So the, the trouble I see at the minute with so many interesting things, such as BMIs and the virtual volunteer, is trying to find a platform for that. Same with Ira. We're looking for that wearable device that, that would make a better use of a great service. And Google Glass Enterprise, okay. But this goes a whole, not just one level, this goes many levels beyond what something like Google Glass offers. Uh, and I think once this hits mainstream and becomes, okay, this is a, a standalone device, I think we're going to see so many apps and so many uh, different applications for us, specifically low vision. I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, I hope so. I, I've said before this thing came out that for me, the hope was, is this going to be something that I can use as a navigation aid or it's going to give me more information about my environment? So it's going to provide more accessibility to the world around me, not to the device itself. And so far, this doesn't seem like a device you're supposed to move around a lot with. You're supposed to sit down in your room and manipulate what's going on inside of the screen. And I don't have a sense yet whether it's going to be the kind of thing that I'm going to use to navigate in my daily environment. And navigation is what I'm all about as a low vision person. Like I yeah. want as much information as I can nope. without having to put my hands on a phone all the time. <laughs> nope. And I don't know that this device yet is that thing, but it's the platform on which that kind of thing can be created. No, 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 no. I uh, want to stay indoors and never uh, leave the house because when you go outside, bad things happen. <laughs> I want to stay in the house. This is the perfect device for me. Wow. There, I said it. The opinions of Stephen Scott are not necessarily the opinions of Double... Oh, wait, they are. Sorry. Yes, okay. they are. They are, absolutely are. Nothing bad can happen. <laughs> absolutely. I can't wait for this world. Uh, listen, obviously, Vision Pro is going to be an ongoing conversation and until we actually have this product, or at least are able to see it in person and play with it, we don't really know where we're going. But we do know we've got a platform here and a really interesting place for developers to build on. And I hope that other companies, I was saying this yesterday on the show, that I really hope that the e-sites and the Orcams and the Envisions of the world really look at this as an opportunity and not a way of you know Apple destroying their business, which is how they may feel today. But I hope they don't feel that way tomorrow. I think they should develop apps. And you know, I would love to have something like a Vision Pro with all of that capability built in. And if I have to pay for it, fine. That's how it works. Well, it, I mean, yeah. And if it's really good, it, it seems like rehab agencies, the kind of agencies that pay for assistive technology, will be put in the position of having to pay for mm -hmm. it. And if you compare it to – if you compare the Vision Pro's price on its own to something like OrCam or eSight – you're in the same ballpark. In fact, those devices are more expensive. I just spent uh, two so and a half had a thousand dollars on Envision glasses. Yeah, just a little. Right. And that was, and that was uh, one, essentially, you know, seeing AI with glasses. Right. Right. So, right. you know. Or, or and, Envision and, with and, glasses, we should say. Yeah, all right, whatever. But you, you know what I mean, right? It's, it's got that right. so it, it's, specific it, There's function. a way in which this could be the kind of device that people are going to demand, and hopefully the agencies will go, oh, yeah, we should probably pay for that because it does so much more than just float uh, text windows in the ether and let me watch movies. It actually gives me assistive technology to live my life in a way better and different than eSight and OrCam. Like, I try, I've try, i tried on eSight. didn't work for me. That's just personal. Yeah. But that means I have another thing to look at. Will this thing work better? Maybe. It's Apple, so there's a high likelihood. And, you know, my wife said this as well. She's a bit nervous because she has a head tilt when she's looking forward. And she worries that, you know, this won't be able to see where she's looking. And there's lots of question marks around that. And, of course, we have to remember as well, it's not being touted as an accessibility device. But it may have that capability because of the hardware built in. It's, it's really the hardware. And I hope that companies will see the potential in that. That could be... Yeah. That could be quite good. Well, I mean, especially since we've we've had these accessibility announcements over the past few years that based are based on LIDAR, and this thing has LIDAR. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously some thought going on in some sectors of Apple. I've said for a long time that things like door detection and people detection could be really good harbingers of what's to come. It may not be Gen 1. We may be waiting another year 
before yes. we find out whether they're actually features. I mean, there are two things. There's the accessibility of the product itself. Can I use VoiceOver? Can I use Zoom to do what I need to do in the product? And then the second thing is, can I do accessible things? Are there apps that give me more accessibility? And I feel like the second thing might have to wait. I feel like we're going to get VoiceOver and we're going to get alternate gestures and, and methods of input uh, right away. And then the question is going to be, you know, how eager are you to get into that if it's not actually giving you enhanced accessibility? I think we, that remains to be seen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just one final thought on this. Uh, cameras inside the headset. Did that surprise you? It surprised me. No, I've, I figured it had to have cameras inside. Um, yeah, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, but, but, you know, all this talk about Privacy. Privacy. And we we yeah. talked about this for years around the idea of, well, it's unlikely that they're going to have cameras in it. LiDAR sensor, yes, but not cameras because, you know, there'd be lots of concerns. But maybe because it's an indoor device, or at least it's being touted as one, maybe that takes the problem away of privacy, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think there are probably going to be a lot of options for how those cameras are used. And I, I hope there's transparency about what those cameras are actually doing because there's something like 12 of them. There are a lot of cameras in there. Yeah. I guess that's the only thing that surprised me is, is not that cameras existed, but that there's so many, which means that you may not have complete transparency about what each camera is capable of doing. And and hopefully you have the ability to customize your privacy settings so that if there's some kind of camera view that you don't want, uh, you have access, you can control it. And also, even if the camera view captures your surroundings, that 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 remains on device, and that's not stuff that you know goes out to the cloud, which I'm seems pretty... fairly likely to be controllable because this is Apple we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make. You know, privacy in Apple, you're pretty. Well, you're pretty confident when it comes to something like that. I want to go back to a point you're at. This is why you, we have you on, Shelley. Yeah, well, you bring up questions and no one else has thought about. You mentioned the indoor aspect of this. And do you think that is the case? I mean, I, I'm going off the, 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 the videos that they, they featured. And you're right. It's all in a hotel room or in an office and things like that. But do you think there's a reason you wouldn't be able to use this hardware outside? I don't know. I think probably, I mean, the demos that they showed, which weren't even really demos, they're just videos that give you impressions of what the thing is going to look like, mm -hmm. right? And I think it's it's obviously, uh, you know, they're, they're demoing a subset of what the thing can do. It's hard for me to tell at this point, especially because you have to plug it into something, whether it be a battery or something else. It's hard for me to tell at this point whether it's optimized for outside, although separately there were announcements about adaptive audio, which seems like that would be really important if you were going outside you would need uh, audio settings that could adjust based on your environment and whether people were trying to talk to you. Because you can't be taking this thing on and off when you're outside on a frequent basis. It has to be the sort of thing that can be fairly persistent. And I don't know if it's intended for that. I, I can't tell. It feels like it's really too early. And to be honest, like I think that's more of a use case for us than it is for the mainstream. I may be Absolutely. totally wrong about that. No, you're right. But I don't. I just don't see people wanting to walk around with a pair of ski goggles who don't have some sort of navigation need what what information is it going to give them when they're walking down the street that they don't have other than some sort of virtual kind of reality experience of the landscape and i don't know that seems a little that seems a little uncanny valley to me i just I can't imagine I, I, it. I agree with you today i don't know if i would agree with you on that in five years i think in five years that things may change right. and i think it will be when essentially this, exactly. this does become the replacement for the, the phone which, let's be honest, you know, this is what they've all talked about. You know, the idea that the phone is no yeah. longer a, a rectangle in your hand. It's it's the world around you. Everything is, is inside your vision. Um, that'll be quite interesting. Uh, look, you are the author of iOS Access for All. Uh, 17 is coming out later in the year. And, of course, the betas have arrived. Um, is it going to be a busy time for you, I'm guessing? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because the stuff that they talked about is fairly limited. A lot of phone and FaceTime and messages features. And and then we saw some accessibility features earlier on that are going to mm. come along. It doesn't feel like iOS 17 is going to be particularly revolutionary. There's some nice new features that p people love already. I, you know, I like them. They're fine. Uh, as far as how busy I'm going to be, it's hard to tell because I, it doesn't feel like anything revolutionary has happened to the OS, which is all to the good, in my opinion. <laughs> I feel like they've, they've added some things and they may even like what they've done in messaging with all the stickers and emojis and, and, and things that seems 
like needlessly complicated, if you ask me, because I don't use that stuff very much. But some of the other things like uh, name drop and the enhancements to airdrop seem kind of cool. And uh, then all the accessibility stuff we've already talked about. So I, I feel like it's somewhere in the middle. I don't feel like it's going to be a crazy busy time, but I also don't feel like it's uh, completely ho-hum either. Okay. From all the other software announcements that you heard about, anything stand out for you? Um, I mean, like I said, it's all little stuff. I like the airdrop thing. I really like the name drop thing where you can basically bump phones with somebody and trade contact information. And then something I've actually used where you meet somebody at, a, at an event and they've taken a bunch of pictures and they're offering to share them with you. But instead of standing there for five minutes waiting for them to download, they can start the airdrop process and then they can walk away and then the Internet can handle the rest of the transfer if you're both iCloud users. So I kind of like that. It's a small thing. All of the things that they announced yesterday feel like really small things. Like they're either upgrades to existing stuff or they're uh, very small new things where somebody's going to pick up on the, that one thing and they're going, oh, that's great. But it's not going to be, you know, earth shaking. And that's, again, that's fine with me. I think that's always the case, though, because everyone always says, where's that killer feature? Where's that killer new feature? But it's always been a case of um, sort of, well, not always, but it's usually the case of these little updates. But it's just the way they're done. Like you mentioned there with AirDrop, with Internet. Um, backup almost, you know, connectivity. I mean, that's such a cool idea and that should work so well. Same with name drop and also with something like check-in. It's just such a little idea, but what a great feature. Yeah. Yeah. I like check-in too. I don't, I can't say that I'll use it a ton, but any family that uses phones to keep track of each other and whether they use Find My or whether they just say, I'll be home in five minutes. Oh no, it's 10 minutes. I'm in traffic or whatever. Uh, Check-in is going to be Great for those folks. Oh, I've got two daughters. I'll be using that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think the iPhone nightstand is kind of fun, especially if you don't have an Apple Watch. My first comment, though, was all the accessory makers who have been making charging stands that are vertical, there's going to be a bunch of horizontal charging stands now so that people can set their iPhones on the side and see the clock face from some distance away, which actually will help me as a low vision person, because if I can make like clock numbers really, really big, I don't have to lean over and find my watch and look at it and mm-hmm. you know yep. know what time it is, because I really need to know what time it is at 3.47 a.m. <laughs> I do. Um, and, and finally, of course, hardware. Is it going to be a 15-inch MacBook Air or a Mac Pro for Shelley? <laughs> can I have both? <laughs> of course you can. I don't know. I, my problem with the MacBook Air has always been the lack of ports. I like ports. I, 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 and I keep my MacBook in clamshell mode always, so I don't really need a 15-inch. Uh, my next computer is either going to be a Mac Mini or it's going to be a 13-inch MacBook Air because I have this you know monitor that I like very much that's on my desk. And I want to keep that. And so I I don't need a bigger screen by any means. Shelley Brisbane, thank you so much for coming on. Host of uh, Parallel and Mac Accessibility Podcast. Also uh, the writer of the iOS Access for All book. Great to have Shelley on this week, Sean. And uh, more comment tomorrow as we continue our WWDC coverage from the physical point of view of accessibility. We're going to get into all that with Colin Hughes tomorrow, who has muscular dystrophy and has lots to say on the announcements that came out this week. Join us for that tomorrow. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us one 4567 Sean, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.